Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. Hey Cat. Hey Moose. Hey Sarah. Hi. How's everybody doing? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Like we're recording at a really unusual time and that always kind of throws me for a loop in some ways, like, like in other ways I'm like, Oh, this is fun. So I'm, I'm kind of coming into this with some, um, trembling and great expectation. Oh, trembling. Please tremble in our presence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. There is space here for all of our trembling. <laughs> That's creeping me out. It's seriously creeping me out. <laughs> I, I, I can't handle when, like, that just gave me some sort of trigger PTSD what you did. I'm sorry. Oh, no. How come? Hmm. Because I don't like when people talk in voices. Oh. What do you mean? We talk in voices all the time. Yeah. Like, Kat, you do it. I do it. But, like... When you, people talk in voices, it just creeps me out. Like hmm. little voices, like, and now we will. And it's like, why the hell are you talking like that? Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Like when people could talk normal, it's like when Madonna has a British accent and she's from Detroit. <laughs> right. It's like their professional voice. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember one time um, there was a thing and it was before like memes and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. But there was some sort of thing out there in the world that showed Tina Turner doing this interview. (laughs) And she was like, yes, and I'm very happy with the way that my song has da da da. And it was like this cross between like Southern and being from like. (laughs) It sounds like your neighbor next door. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) It does. Her. Yeah. And it's like, I remember like people saying like, why, why does Tina Turner sound like she's from like the, you know, French Polynesian islands when she's from <laughs> Nutbush City, Tennessee, you know, it's like, who knows? <laughs> Nutbush. Nutbush. It, it, okay. Do, do you guys all have like, like, you know, there's an important call coming in and you put your business voice on to answer it. Can I hear each of yours? Oh, Definitely. I, I know Kat's voice. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do what Kat does. And then Kat, I want you to do it how you do it. And I want to lay them over each other and see how perfect I am. Okay, here it goes. You ring. Do the ring, Sarah. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Hello, this, this is, is Kat. Kat. <laughs> Where if Kat's talking to me, if I call her, give me a ring for me. Hey, you never call me. What are you calling about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's mine. This is Sarah. (laughs) Nice. Ah, Okay, Kat, you do me now. Okay. Hey. (laughs) Oh, no. Yours, it's like you start saying ha- Right when you answer, it's hey, and the phone's not even close to your mouth yet. Hey, you're right. Yeah. See, that's my that's it's sort of my experience. But my experience and this happens with one of my clients, too, is that the first noise I hear is normally some sort of like 
guttural, like either yawn or sigh or like, <laughs> oh, is what I get. Like when you call me or if I call you, so I'll be like ring and, and I'll, I'll, you'll like pick up and it really will. It'll just be like, uh, Hey, that is so not true. Maybe I'm on the toilet or maybe I just woke up with you. Hey, you're Whoa. lucky. <laughs> hey. Hey. Well, I'm just saying if there's a sigh, like, uh, like that, <laughs> uh, that means it, that I feel close enough to you to make those noises. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. I just <laughs> think it's really funny that like, we have a quote unquote professional voice that we answer with, but if yeah. it's calling each other, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I feel nervous to call you moose. Oh my God. You know what? My. What the hell does that even mean? Well, thank you for so gently <laughs> yeah, holding space seriously. for my feelings. That was really kind of you. <laughs> uh, welcome to our friendship, everyone. Yes. Yeah. It's like you kind of hate people. You kind of hate talking on the phone. Like you kind of. Okay, but you don't like talking on the phone either. I hate talking on the phone. No. So basically the only time we call each other is, well, we usually warn each other, which I think people should do. I'm going to call you or is there a good time to call you is always, especially for people who are jumpy like me, like the phone ringing <laughs> is a very traumatic thing for me. It's like yeah. the doorbell. Yeah. We know yeah. that I run from the doorbell, which mm. I'm going to actually talk about this, this episode, mm -hmm. but, <clears throat> but yeah, so I know that when you call me either you're in the car and it's too long to type which I get, I don't mm -hmm. want you killing yourself and texting mm -hmm. or you just want a quick answer and it's longer than you feel like texting, which I'm the same way. Like, let me just call and see what the plan is. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But you don't feel nervous calling me. Well, it's not, it's not that I feel nervous. I think it's more of like, I am just so aware we've known each other for so long and so much of our careers have been, on the phone that like yes. being on the phone is really um it like takes effort and it's like this constant like trigger of like do I have to do my work do I have to convince somebody to play a song do I have to deliver bad news to a client do I have to have a you know velvet hammer type conversation and it's like that comes with like a bit of of like anxiety and so it's like I think that like knowing that we have similar propensities around being on the phone, the last thing I want to do is anything that would inflict that sensation on your body because you're like my best friend. And it's like, mm -hmm. why would I want to make you feel that way? And sometimes it's just better to pick up the phone, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, very rarely. So I'm not nervous. It's okay, more good. of like a deep compassion and wanting to hold you like a baby and rock oh. you to sleep. And I know by me, ring, ring, ring is not doing that. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not doing that. And thank you for knowing me well. Hmm. Um, so this morning I was texting with a friend, <clears throat> a shared friend that we all have. Her name starts with a R and ends with an E. I love good old Rutledge. <laughs> He's my favorite. <laughs> so she sends me a picture and just being really sweet talking about 
her Friday morning and just said, having coffee in my gray chair today, along with enjoying one of the candles that you gave me a while back. And so I'll show you this photo. Um, share screen. Um, and so it's just a sweet photo. Oh, that's so nice. Dark rum and oak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a just a photo of the candle. And then her response after that, I said, oh, I love that. I love those candles too. And then she writes, please excuse the dust particles. Okay. But if one zoomed in, I suppose they're on the mirror table. Yeah. I would have never noticed those if you hadn't mentioned them. <laughs> exactly. So I said to her, she, okay, again, this is the kind of friend I am. And, I, you know, I'm not going to even apologize anymore for what I am. So she, she said, please excuse the dust particles. And I said, if you're serious, something is wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> you just met her with kindness. <laughs> and then I said, is that your mother talking? Because her mom, you know, whatever. Okay. And she said, ha ha. I'm not actually embarrassed in front of you, but I will say I didn't notice the dust in real life, but it does appear more in the photo, which surprised me. I'm still not cleaning it. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, when I was a kid, when my friends were coming over, I would straighten things up for a bit. And my mom would say, this isn't a museum, which I thought was funny. And I said, I totally know you. And after you sent that photo, you zoomed in. That's an example of switching from your true self to how others might see you. Mm. You just gave us a life lesson in staying in your own skin and allowing things to be as they are. And so we went on to just talk about that, like this idea of, you know, being in your full integrity, even if it's you know, others might judge what that is. And I just thought that was the sweetest little moment to be like, she was sharing like this beautiful moment. And then she got caught up in the, Mm -hmm. Oh shit, there's dust on my table. What if Moose sees that? Yeah. Well, it reminds me of, of what you've been saying lately about like the authentic self versus the ego and how like we do this constant, like kind of, well, well, if we're working toward health, I think we do this constant flip flop of like being in our ego versus just being authentically who we are. And it's a, it's one of those things that one of the, the lessons that I've been learning lately and, and I've been most aware of this in, um, my body work sessions where I'm receiving body work is that the theme that's coming up is doing the uncomfortable thing over and over and over is beginning to make the uncomfortable thing feel more familiar and less uncomfortable. Yes. So it's like, I'm finding myself more and more like watching that vacillation between like, like my true and authentic self versus my ego and just having an awareness that it's happening. Doesn't even necessarily mean that I, I try to stop it or it's like, you're a very bad guy because now you're operating in your ego. It's like, well, shit, I was designed this way. Like, this is kind of how humans roll and instead of having like all this shame about it it's like just having an awareness of it has really let me realize like some things that I do to satiate my ego are just not necessary anymore that's amazing Kat Hmm. it really is like I I know what you mean like I have I've seen that in you for what it's worth I've and I and we know this because we we don't even have to speak it and we see it with each other but like the thing some things that you used to say and it's part of the reason I joke with you and call out like you're not nervous to call me Mm -hmm. and I think we know that about each other is like I think that 
there was a time where you would say things not knowing that you wanted a reaction to see how people felt about you. Hmm. Give me an example. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it sounds it sounds like it's not far from the truth. <laughs> so, But I'm curious, like, what it, what it means to you. Well, I know it because I do it. So I'll give you an example of myself. Is, like, I can sometimes go into a situation and self-deprecate and not realize... Like, I really am just trying to be funny. And, and I, it's almost like a way to recognize what my weaknesses are, which weakness is really hard for me. And so I'll say something like, say that we're talking about running or something. And I know I used to run. I can't really run anymore. And I would say something like, you know, this fat ass running down the street, (laughs) da, 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 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and I actually am trying to be funny, but it, it, it can make people feel uncomfortable. Number one. Right. And then secondly, people feel a need to respond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like doubly uncomfortable because I'm like, I just made them I just created, go there. Yeah. 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 When really I like, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm trying to like get feedback from you, but why the hell would I do that if I wasn't looking for some kind of feedback? Right. Right. Hmm. I, I have a great example of when I did this the other day. Um, one of our clients had a showcase last week and, um, there were several people who came to it, you know, a bunch of industry VIPs and stuff like that. And I was standing there talking with one of her booking agents and a a concert promoter, both gentlemen who I have known for 20 plus years. And so I'm standing there talking to them and, um, and they were like, you know, what's up? And I said, well, I said, I was nominated by a bunch of people over there to come and see if it's an open bar or if it's a cash bar or like, you know, I said, (laughs) I got nominated to like be the person to check out the alcohol situation. And I said, you know me, I said, I'm an artist manager. So I've packed on 60 pounds because I like to drink, you know? (laughs) And so like, I'm saying all this like out loud and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And so finally, while both of them were just kind of squirmy and just like staring at me and they're perfectly fit thin you know buff bodies I finally grabbed (laughs) one of the guys by the arm which is completely sexist and I said I said well you clearly do something with your stress like how do you manage the stress of being a booking agent and he said well he said I go to my local gold's gym like every day and (laughs) and I do the you know the muscle workout (laughs) that they have plotted on the machines and then I asked the other guy I said well what do you do and he said I run I run and I was like oh good I said well what we've established is that you guys have healthy (laughs) outlets for your stress and I am making my way toward (laughs) being how you are and I thought I was so funny and I realized like right after it came out of my mouth, like how awkward I probably made those guys feel, you know, cause they're not going to sit there and go, yeah, man, you fucking packed on the weight the past few years. You know, like, (laughs) I know like where you like back people into a corner and there, I mean, just imagine nobody likes being in a corner. You're in a corner and and, like somebody's yelling at you. Like I'm fat. Say it. I'm fat. I'm fat. Like, I'm just going to keep telling you how fat I am until you agree with me. And then the person's like, okay, you're fat. And then they're in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. right, right. It's like you chauvinistic asshole. How dare you call me fat? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I was made this way. My mom and dad made me this way. (laughs) 
my god! Oh, that's amazing. Well, okay. So if we're going to go along the lines of um, self-deprecating and being fat, I'm going to stick in that vein for just a few more minutes and talk about bacon. I want to talk about bacon. <laughs> Great. I, I Great. love bacon. Let's okay. do it. So I had a text conversation with someone recently, and I want to see how this sits with you. Let me read this conversation to you. Okay. Okay, so what I did is I shared a medical device. I've got these um, continuous glucose, nope, continuous <laughs> glucose, wow, <laughs> monitors that are like super expensive and like blah, blah, blah. And so this friend's husband also has type 1 diabetes and we wear the same type thing. And so she said, um, I'm just waiting on his sensors to arrive. They got delayed by the weather, so you definitely saved his bacon. Like our friend was saying, like, okay, you saved yeah. my husband's bacon by sharing this equipment. And so I wrote back and I said, I love bacon. So I love the idea of saving it. <laughs> like, that felt- I think you're talking about his ass, by the way. <laughs> Maybe mm. I am. Because that was like, it was a sort of like safe way to say you saved his ass. Yeah. So I think when you said back if we replace his ass with bacon it would be i really love his ass so i'm glad i could save it (laughs) well this is gonna get even more weird if that is true (laughs) good okay keep going and so she wrote back lol crispy or gooey Ew, gooey. Gooey (laughs) means like not cooked which is how i love my bacon i like my bacon limp oh limp is even worse yeah okay but limp (laughs) I mean, to order anything limp is not a good thing. <laughs> right. Right. Wait, did you write back and say you like it limp? Oh, no. And she said, LOL, crispy or gooey. And I wrote back and I said, somewhere in the middle with a nod toward gooey. And she says, yes, finally, someone who can admit that gooey with that salty, but still a little sweet is better. And I was like, I feel like for the first time in my life, I've been understood (laughs) as it pertains to exactly how I like to have my bacon. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I'm so not okay with this conversation because I also (laughs) am a bacon connoisseur. I like thick cut bacon and Sarah's mom, as much as it pains me to say, has taught me something about bacon that I didn't think I thought I knew everything about bacon. (laughs) She taught me that if you put the bacon on a rack in the cookie sheet, you know, where you have about like half an inch of room, Mm -hmm the grease drains off mm-hmm. that is the crispiest mm. most mm. you know because mm. baking bacon is really the best way is not frying it just so you know but hmm. you disagree i, I can tell. disagree yeah but that's fine okay talk, okay how do you cook your bacon Oh, I cook it in an iron skillet. Oh, I, that is good. And yeah. I normally cook it on the side burner of my grill outside because it stinks up the house so bad. Oh, yeah. You kind of do have to like open the back door. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bacon's delicious, but woo, you know, you've made it for about three days. Okay. So how I bake my bacon for like 25 minutes. How long are you? Are you like just blanching it like a seared piece of tuna? No, uh-uh, no, I, I start cooking it on. I put the bacon in the skillet before I heat the skillet up. So it's not like I... You know, like add the bacon into, you know, already hot grease. I put the bacon in there so that the fat creates its own 
yeah. like, you know, bath of deliciousness to roll around in. And I just kind of <laughs> let it, I, I push it around with a wooden spoon oh, yeah. and I just, I let it get to that beautiful place where there is some crispy, but as our friend articulated, kind of the little bit of the gooey and salty really goes a long way. That's like the fat that you're tasting. It's oh, just the man. Hmm. Wow. Now I'm craving bacon. Yeah, me mm. too. Mm. Mm. Uh, have you ever had the million dollar bacon at first watch? Are you mm. looking at my notes? No, but <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm not for like necessarily making salty things sweet, but that is some heaven. Mm. Mm. I mean, okay. I, I was at breakfast a couple of weeks ago um, with some colleagues and one of them ordered the million dollar bacon. And I like, it was like, so good that like yeah. I can't even like see straight and it's like so they make it kind of in the way that you're talking about I think they probably bake it like your method right uh -huh. and then yeah. they drizzle it with syrup and then they cover it with black pepper so it's spicy. It's the black pepper. It's so yeah. Good. Yes. It's, it's so spicy. And, and I think they use a little bit of cayenne pepper too. So it's like mm. spicy, but sweet. And then add bacon. Dear God. <sighs> I know. And it's the perfect, like that's that thick cut that I'm talking about. Yeah. Like it feels like you're biting Ooh. into almost pork belly. Are you kidding me? Oh, mm. yes. I'm hungry, guys. Do you guys like the consistency of pork belly? Yes. Mm, sometimes. Yeah. It's, I, it has to not be like fat in, on my tongue. You know, sometimes it like melts in your mouth. I'm literally, my mouth is literally watering. Right so now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's some good mouth watering noises for our friends with, it's not arachnophobia. What is the phobia of, of human sound? It's something like, it's like truck tracheotomy <laughs> it starts with an a and it has to do it has to do with with noises misophonia misophonia Ooh. oh mesothelioma we know about <laughs> mesothelioma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well Lindsay, if you're listening that is all for you <laughs> oh my gosh okay so i want to talk about something okay i would like to talk about running away oh okay Hmm. This isn't, thank goodness, this isn't literal running, Kat. So we, hmm. we, can, we can consider Ooh, doing this. Okay. I also think that I have this strip by my house, not a strip club, just a strip <laughs> of um, walking material called a sidewalk. And it's, <laughs> it's really like not where anyone can see you until you get pretty far down. Like it's kind of where I walk the dog sometimes. And I was thinking that the three of us, to the literal running could practice how long we can run hmm. um, and see if over time we can build back up to a 5k. Cause remember when we did that 5k. Together? Yeah. Yeah. The color run. Okay. Back to not really running, but <laughs> running away. So we talk all the time and throw out, you know, the phrases of fight, flight, fawn and freeze, I yep. think are the four. Yep. Um, and I wanted to like dive into that a little bit more because um, a friend of mine was asking, like, I don't think I know what all of those mean. And it got me thinking I was scrolling through Instagram as one does on a Friday morning. And um, 
I see this thread that says a GOP bill is wanting to change the name of Representative John Lewis's road in Nashville to Donald Trump. Oh, no. are you kidding me? No. <laughs> no. And I'm not kidding. It was the perfect moment to realize which one of these am I? And I'm always the run. So is that that's flight, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the runner. Mm-hmm. Now that's not true. If someone messes with you guys or my family, I do love a good fight. So yeah. let me be clear on that. Yeah. yeah. But in this moment, as I'm reading that, and this is simply one of my triggers, it, you know, and there's so many, right? But I was like, I have to get out of here. And I'm like, okay. So I'm talking myself through this and I'm like, where is here? And then this internal family systems part goes Nashville get out of Nashville I'm like no Nashville's cool get out of Tennessee oh it's Tennessee that you need to get out of because it's too conservative or whatever it is and I'm like I'm in this nightmare I'm stuck in this nightmare where somebody wants to replace someone like John Lewis and his good trouble with Donald Trump right and so Mm -hmm. again it's just the trigger it's not really what's going on it's just the one thing that knocked me over the edge (laughs) and I remember (laughs) I remember Um, when Hillary lost to Donald Trump, I was at your house and we had a bunch of people over and I felt the same way. And I remember all these people saying around that time, like I'm moving to Canada and we had no idea how about Donald Trump was back then. You know what I mean? Like that was just the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I'm just using these two things. I'm not being political, but like those are examples of, I need to run. And then I remember, um, Anytime I have vulnerability and I share something with someone where I'm like not sure how they're going to respond, I feel the exact same way of, I just Mm. need to run. I need to leave. Mm -hmm. I remember Mm -hmm. being in my twenties and having this really horrible situation happen. And I was trying to leave the city I was living in. I was interviewing in another city and the guy asked me, he was like, why, why do you want to leave where you are? It's a great place as far as he knew. Right. And I said, I just need a fresh start. I just need, you know. And I was talking to a friend of mine and explaining um, sort of this nature of myself of needing to start over and having a fresh slate. And he, you know, he said, this is common with you. You like to blow shit up. Hmm. Wow. And it, it like really took me back because I was like, and it's a very good friend. So I that has known me well. And I was like, I do. And I like had to look at that. And I thought I do. I actually do. I like to blow shit up, but (laughs) I have learned to your point, Kat, of like recognizing patterns and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I've learned that although in my mind, I like to go there of like, what would it be like if I just, you know, fill in the blank, you know, Mm -hmm. if I lived on a planet where everyone agreed with life the way that I do, which of course is not fun. Yeah. (laughs) But let's just say that that's my dream. I recognize now, like, like Sarah will say when I get fed up with like churches and people just being really not cool, um, like Jesus, I guess I'll I'll be like, I'm going to move to Colorado. And Sarah will go, oh, they don't have churches in Colorado. (laughs) And I'll be like, "Uh, there probably is a city where there aren't any, you know, like I, I just turn into like a little kid. And so... I would love to just walk through together kind of what fight, flight, freeze, and fawn is. So Kat, you're in charge of fight. 
Okay. Um, so fight is basically, and all these are, um, actual, like the body's nervous system responses to stimuli. So this is not something where we sit and consciously go, huh, this thing is really terrifying me. And I'm going to choose between fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. Like that's not what's going on. Like these are things that, that the body's nervous system has learned how to do since the body was formed as a fetus in the womb. Okay. So like, Mm -hmm. I want to be sure that, you know, we oftentimes abuse things like personality tests and stuff like that and go, Oh, you're such an Enneagram too. And some people go like, Oh my gosh, like you're always in flight or whatever it is. And it's like, that's not how this information should be used. So I want to, I want to start by, Mm -hmm. by just saying that. Yeah. You're not just blanketed one, depending on the situation, you could go into freeze or fight and yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's, and it's very dependent on patterns that your body has developed since before you got to consciously choose. And so now that we're adults, we get to recognize, wait a minute, I just went into flight mode or whatever. So yay for all of the awareness. Okay. My job (laughs) is to talk about fight. So the fight response involves aggressively facing the threat that often includes physically or verbally attacking Um, people who default to the stress response seek to resolve a threat through conflict so examples of the fight response include things like physically reacting or fighting a clenched jaw or fists yelling berating or mocking others slamming doors Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just told the story to Kat about how when I'm really pissed, I just stand at the garage door, <laughs> the door that goes out to the garage, and slam it like eight times. Like, boom, boom. I just need the whole world to know that I am pissed off. Oh, man. It's so slamming doors. <laughs> I have relived that story at least 10 times a day ever since she told me that, and I just gut laugh every time. So slamming doors. <laughs> destroying property. <laughs> destroying property or becoming aggressive. And people with a fight response might ignore others and want the final say have explosive tempers or be easily reactive feel constantly under threat push back on authority and feel remorse or shame after outbursts so that's a good like kind of blanket this is what the fight response is I don't. What if you don't feel remorse after you slam the doors? I think that's just anger. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. Or you might be a sociopath. Right, right. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Or just stuck in fight mode. <laughs> yeah, just completely stuck. Can't get out of fight. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. On the flight response, the flight response involves running away from the threat. So people with this pattern protect themselves by escaping or fleeing. So all of us can relate to that where you're like, I just got to get out of here. I've been there. So examples of the flight response include the following, literally running away from the threat, leaving home after a (laughs) fight or a disagreement. Who has, who's ever done that? Yeah, me too. Uh, ghosting people, <laughs> ending relationships abruptly. Oh my gosh, I could name names. Avoiding commitment, including in relationships. That's interesting. 
And then people with flight response may exhibit trouble being still or having downtime, intense focus on work or other achievements, micromanaging, rushing around, being easily distracted, experiencing anxiety or panic attacks. So that is the flight response. I basically live in flight. I'm learning. Really? (laughs) All right, Kat, you got freeze now. Okay, so the third type of response um, of our nervous systems is called freeze. And people who freeze are unable to react and often dissociate from a threat. So the freeze response is not about movement, but rather a kind of pause response. So in the moment when someone freezes, they might be unable to respond They let others yell at them. They have a sense of dread. They hold their breath, experience cold, numb, or pale skin, have a lowered heart rate, feel a sense of stiffness, and even dissociate. So people who freeze may experience things like feeling very calm and having the feeling of watching yourself or being removed from the situation. Like, haven't you ever kind of thought like, I'm having this experience where I'm outside of my body watching myself have this experience. Like that, I don't know. I think that's... um, I I have had that as a child. I remember mm -hmm. seeing myself from like, above yeah so um yes so the feeling of watching yourself or being removed from situations shut down or avoid situations feel that life is pointless have trouble distinguishing reality like what's really happening versus what is not self-isolation heavy social media use that is huge Um, And giving up quickly. People who freeze can sometimes be misdiagnosed with depression. Wow. I can look at areas of my life where I was absolutely frozen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, then, I, I can't relate to a lot of that. Like, some of it I can. Um, but I, I will say that, like, much like a personality test, if I had to rate myself, like, I, I definitely resonate with flight the most and then fight. But freeze, not, it's, it's, that's a, that's a distant one for me. Oh, but wait, we've got fawn and <laughs> we, we might fall into that. This is the one I don't know as much about. Um, but it says here that people who fawn try to resolve a threat by placating the aggressor or moving closer to the threat. Interesting. Hmm. Fawning involves a pleasing response to reduce conflict and trauma. This behavior often shows up in people with complex PTSD, including those who have childhood trauma. A fawn response can manifest as people-pleasing, following others' lead or their decision-making, being reliant on others, being aware of other people's needs, often while ignoring your own, being overly polite or agreeable, avoiding saying no, and dissociating... And then it says, note that fawn is the newest stress response and less researched than the other responses. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, um, I mean, there's so many different schools of thought on this and a lot of people who are super smart, um, have arguments about this. I think that like, 
I, I kind of feel like fawn feels a little bit like uh, I've had a nervous system response and then I do a thing. To me, like fawning mm. to me doesn't feel like I instantly go into people pleasing mode and yeah. that's my nervous system response. Like I feel like I have a nervous system response of, you know, whatever it is, let's say flight. And then therefore let me make peace with everyone around me. So I, I could kind of debate on if it's an actual nervous system response or if it is a response to the nervous system response. I'm, I have curiosity around that. Mm hmm. It's very interesting, honestly. Um, I I definitely think that I used to be more fight in my younger years, and my nature is to flee. Is that one of them? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's flight. <laughs> flight. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> flight, flee, flicker. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be. I think before I was willing to be the fighter. And I think I burned myself out on fighting mm. and I'm exhausted by fighting. And now I just want to be away from the drama or mm. the trauma, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Some might argue that that's called good health. <laughs> hmm. True. Well, good. Hey, I'll take anything <laughs> that gives me a thumbs up around that. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. So the moral of the story after 44 years, I have learned one thing. You can run, but you cannot hide. Correct. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> so now I'm going to share my screen. Okay. Um, do you recognize these people? I recognize your mother. <laughs> and then is there an animal behind your mother? Yep. Yep. There's an animal that is resting on my mom's shoulder and that is her dog, Dixie. She's a miniature uh, black poodle and the young children in the seats behind her um, are my second cousins, Katie and Harper. And our family is going to Real Foot Lake this weekend so and everybody time. is on the road, but me. <laughs> okay. So tell everyone who hasn't listen to every single episode what real foot lake means to you and your family mm-hmm mm -hmm. it's super special so real foot lake is a lake that was formed by an earthquake back in 1811 and 1812 and this big earthquake happened and it basically like made it where like the land like caved into itself and the waters of the Mississippi River flowed into this like basin that created this lake that's like 19 miles uh, wide and um, the lake is really special because its average depth is only five feet deep hmm. and so it's called a fisherman's paradise because like all of the stuff that happens in the water of like a really deep lake is happening like within like five Five feet, So there's just a lot of room for life and vegetation. And um, so it's a fisherman's paradise. And if you think of the American bald eagle, um, the American bald eagle is a fisher person like eagles eat fish. And so when it gets really, really cold up in Alaska and Canada and in the northern United States, a lot of American bald eagles during the wintertime will migrate south and come to Real Foot Lake because it is much easier fishing for them than it is fishing through ice like you would imagine in Canada or Alaska. Mm. And so um, every year my family takes a trip and we go to Real Foot Lake so that we get to see 
um, all of the eagles. And some days we have seen as many as 50 or 60 eagles uh, That's in a crazy. day. That's so, crazy. So, cool. um, so, yeah, I'm excited about my, my little family reunion with my family this weekend. Me too. It is a really special place, I have to say. My family also grew up going there because it's it was in the area that my dad lived. Um, but I, I think it's so cool. I'm pulling up pictures for our patrons, but... I'm trying to find what are those called, cat, that come out? I mean, obviously they're trees, mm-hmm. but then aren't there just things that come out of the ground that look? Yeah, yeah. So those are called cypress knees. So the way that cypress trees grow is they grow down into the ground, but the roots need air, and because the roots are underwater, the roots have learned over time to grow up above the water in order to get oxygen. Um, to synthesize all the things that need to happen to keep the tree alive. So so the little things around the cypress trees are called cypress knees. And some people go and cut them off and they sell them for hundreds of dollars because who doesn't need a cypress knee, you know? Oh, my God. So, Kat, do you guys, I know the one time, I may have gone one or two times with y'all, but you guys, I know you drive around with binoculars looking for (laughs) eagles Mm -hmm. and different kinds of birds. Mm -hmm. What other kind of stuff do y'all do as a family while you're there? We like to cook. We like to eat. We like to play cards. Yes. Yeah. So, and you are in cabins. Yeah. So um, my mom has made friends with this lady who's a realtor um, at Real Foot Lake. And so my mom tells this lady, you know, hey, the family and I are coming this particular weekend. Can you hook us up with like a place that accommodates, you know, X amount of people or whatever. And this lady will find a cabin or a house for us. And, Mm. um, and this time around we are, um, we're operating out of two houses because there's so many of us that we, we needed two houses. So we'll be doing a lot of eating, a lot of playing cards and, um, the kids and the dogs just love being outside. So it's fun to go outside and kind of romp around with everybody too. And do you go multiple times a year or is it just usually, uh, this this time of year, my mom and I go multiple times a year. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really kind of like my mom and and my's kind of special. Um, if we need to hang out and really spend some concentrated time together, we'll go, let's go to real foot and drive around. And we've got the same little, you know, six or seven places that we visit. We've got Molly's park and then the levee and then the air park in. And, you know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. places where we go every time, but, but the big trip is this one that's always at the right at the end of January, early February, because they have what's called an Eagle fest. Yes. Oh yeah. So they have bird shows where, um, I've been to that and that is not cool, man. <laughs> I don't like those things flying that close to my head. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I love it because they'll let these birds fly from one trainer to another across the heads of the audience. So they'll fly a Mississippi kite. They'll fly a turkey vulture. They'll fly um, an American kestrel. It, it's just it's really, really a neat way to get to see the birds up close and personal. Well, I I just want to share this with you. Did you know there's a song called Real Foot Lake? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> um, what's the name of this artist? How would you say that? Uh, Lumberjack. <laughs> the the Jack, the A, and the Jack is a V. So um, let's see what it sounds like.
Thank you, Sarah. That sounds like a Christian song to me. (laughs) You're welcome. producer Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Cat and Moose is a BP production. 